So purchased goods or supply chain is a very huge impact on the overall emission strategy for companies. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to a special podcast series, Supply Chain and ESG, What You Need to Know. Over this podcast series, we're going to take a look at ESG drivers, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, supply chains and ESG, the new world of product compliance and ESG, scope three emissions reporting strategy, and responsible minerals supply chain and ESG. This special podcast series is sponsored by Ascent. But first, a quick word about Ascent. Did you know that for most sectors, the majority of an organization's ESG risks come from their supply chain? It's no secret that your supply chains are complex, but capturing your ESG data from them should not be. Ascent is the leading provider of ESG and product compliance solutions, combining software and expertise all in one place to help you see deeper into your supply chain and uncover hidden risks that affect your sustainability score. Check out Ascent.com for free ESG resources and to learn how Ascent can help you jumpstart your supply chain sustainability program. In this episode four, we take up the topic of Scope 3 Emissions Reporting Strategy. In this episode, I'm joined by Jared Connors, subject matter expert in ESG and responsible sourcing, as well as Devin O'Hara. Devin is a regulatory and sustainability expert at Ascent. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome back for another episode. Today, we're going to take up emissions reporting strategy, why scope three is the key to disclosure success. I'm joined by Devin O'Haran and Jared Connors. Gentlemen, first of all, welcome. And Devin, if I could start with you, could you tell us your current role at Ascent? Sure. Great to be here. My current role at Ascent is as regulatory and sustainability expert, focusing on ESG and responsible sourcing. I'm very excited to be working on our new ESG module. Jared? Yeah, I work side by side with my friend Devin here on our ESG and responsible sourcing module. And and our job as a part of the quote unquote expert team here at Ascent is to engage the market, to go out and learn from those organizations, makers of standards, frameworks, industry groups, where the market is headed. What are the obligations for companies in terms of regulatory reporting and market expectations for that reporting? So. We're happy to talk quite a bit today about not only Ascent and what we're doing, but also where the market is headed on these topics. Jared, if I could continue with you on scope three emissions, I think this is the one scope that many people do not understand. So if I could ask you to start with what is a scope three emission and then why is it so critical for either a risk or perhaps an opportunity right now? Just to frame what scope three is, there's actually three scope levels within the emissions reporting strategy. There's scope one is things that might be like your lease or own vehicle fleets, for example, things you're doing around your facility. And scope two is the purchased heat or electricity to your facility, maybe from your municipal power source. So things that are contributing to your local facility. And scope three is all those variables outside your four walls. And the most important impact of scope three, because it is so broad, it even includes things like employee travel. The most important aspect of scope three is purchased goods. 
And so that has a really big impact on organizations that may not necessarily take in raw materials and directly manufacture from fabrication of those raw materials into a finished good. Say if I'm your average electronics company in 2022, chances are I don't directly manufacture my products. I may design those products and influence those products, but I get piece parts, raw materials, components through my supply chain, and I may even have the assembly of those products outsourced. You could say that about just about any industry in this day and age. So purchased goods or supply chain is a very huge impact on the overall emission strategy for companies. And that's why we're talking about this every single day with organizations from this side of the pond all the way through Europe and even APAC region. So Devin, if I could perhaps turn to you for this next question, what impact does supply chain have on the overall emissions strategy of a company, or is it a different question? Well, it definitely does have an impact on the overall strategy and and part of the increase in the level of awareness and need for reporting on scope three emissions comes to the fact that it is such an impactful part of the overall picture in terms of emissions associated with manufacturing product. A recent Accenture study figured out that scope three emissions are typically 11 times larger than an organization's scope one and two emissions combined. So as mandatory climate disclosure legislations are being passed, the idea of carbon taxes, there's already carbon taxes out there today in certain forms. But as these progress more into the future, the overall mission strategy, frankly, needs to start accounting for scope three as much as possible. Kevin, if I could follow up, when I was first exposed to supply chain, I was rather stunned to find that that was my corporation's largest spend. And at that point, supply chain was still sort of consigned to a back room. Uh, Fortunately, we've evolved a little bit past that now, but is it really true that both the risk around the overall admissions, emission strategy, but perhaps the opportunity as well for many companies is going to be found in the supply chain because simply the raw numbers of supply chain companies or vendors could be 10, maybe 100x what's on the sales side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the way that you framed that as risks and opportunities, because when it comes to scope three emissions in particular, as we think about things like carbon taxes and and accounting for carbon as a currency, almost as a cost of producing these products, on the one hand, there will be risk in terms of if you don't understand what exactly that applies to organization. But on the other hand, sourcing decisions can then be made using carbon factoring into the equation. So it presents a big opportunity as well. Jared, one of the, I'm not sure controversy is the right word, but at least one of the larger discussion points right now is around mandatory climate disclosures, how far they may go in the United States, where they are in Europe. But where do you see companies either being required to report on scope three or emissions from the supply chain, or maybe taking the step that it's in our interest to proactively do so. Yeah, I'm going to channel my inner SEC on this one. Gary Ginsler is going around and doing a lot of socializing of the Mandatory Climate Disclosures Act, and everyone wants to ask him about scope three. I've seen him speak on it twice now, and each time scope three was in that word cloud that comes up on questions that the audience wants to talk to him about is that's the number one topic. And it's very clear through the Mandatory Climate Disclosures Act what will be required for companies. And it it basically says that supply chain or scope three 
is only required if one, you create a goal around it, or two, it's material to your overall emission strategy. And I love the wry smile that, that members of the SEC will have on their face when they talk about material to your overall emission strategy. Because if you, again, think of that example of electronics companies that don't necessarily manufacture their own product or automotive companies who may assemble the vehicle, but all of those Pete's parts all come from supplier sources. All of that emissions that was produced in the creation, manipulation of raw materials and creation of those piece parts or sub-assemblies into that eventual product have a huge amount of impact on that footprint. And so companies that don't address scope three, once mandatory climate disclosures act goes into effect here in the United States, for example, they're going to be held in the court of public opinion on are those scope three or supply chain emissions relevant to their overall emission strategy? And the answer is that we're going to see a lot of companies going through the name and shame game, just like we saw with conflict minerals. I know that Tom, you and I continuously do some of these podcasts, and I always go back to conflict minerals because I kind of feel like it's the grandfather of supply chain transparency regulations here in the United States. And that's a really great example of the way that companies will be held accountable in their overall disclosure strategy and is what they include and how transparent are they. And if they ignore certain things because they go after the low-hanging fruit to say, I've flipped over my power bill for my own facility here in you know Arizona, and I've looked at what my CO2 equivalents are based on my kilowatt hours consumed and my power type, but I've ignored the broad and vast supply chain of all those incoming goods that I purchased to then assemble or sell my product into market. Sure, if I could follow up on that, we have talked in other podcasts, as you correctly referenced, conflict minerals, supply chain, how perhaps companies need to dive further down their supply chain into not simply their direct contractors, but levels two, three, four, five, whatever it may be. Do you see the same sort of rigor as either needed or even required in scope three admissions reporting? Yeah, I really do. And that's going to happen at each level. So let's say, for example, I'm standing next to a fire. My need to create transparency with my disclosures as an organization. And I want to put that fire out, that doubt that I have transparency and accountability in my organization. I can fill up some of the water in that bucket to throw on that fire with my own emission strategy, but I need to pass that bucket back upstream to, to my left to make sure that the supply chain is providing me data. And my supplier, my tier one suppliers are going to be able to provide me their overall emission strategy. Because when I go to them for my scope three, what I'm really asking is my supplier's scope one through three. And so when I may start with their scope one and two, things that are within the direct purview of those suppliers, ultimately, I want to get their total emissions footprint. And that includes what they're collecting from their suppliers upstream, or maybe their purchased goods or services as, as it's stated in, in scope level three emissions. And so it's a really big part of the overall strategy is that we talk about data collection at each level in the supply chain and how we may interact with our tier one suppliers, but the disclosure that we get from them, we need to make sure that they have policies, management procedures, and programs around also creating transparency with their upstream. So going back to the Mandatory Climate Disclosures Act for a second, Tom, that's obviously going to directly impact a finite number of companies, publicly traded companies here in the United States. However, as we see with any one of these regulations, they have an element of pass down accountability, as the phrase was coined so many years ago. I actually try to think of it as pass up accountability because we're thinking about upstream, our supply chain upstream of us and what we need to collect from those organizations in order to meet the expectations of these regulatory pressures or these, these market disclosure 
requirements to say, this is what I'm doing to create and promote transparency, not only in my operations, my four walls, but upstream of me as well. Devin, if I could turn to you, we've had a robust discussion around emissions data. Do you see scope three as limited to emissions data or are there other environmental factors at play that companies need to think about and or perhaps report as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the conversation today is dominated by carbon, you know, the legislations that are being talked about and things like that. But that's not to say that that's the only other material aspect or cost of producing goods, right? There's other environmental factors at play, things like waste management, recycled content in products, water usage, all of these additional costs that have not been traditionally quantified and accounted for when we're thinking about the final product. These all contribute to the product lifecycle and design of the product. And really, when we're talking about scope three in a broader context of just carbon, it's about broadening the measure of impact to bring us closer to understanding and identifying the the true full costs of how we provision ourselves today. I have one additional question that I'll pitch to either one of you guys. I've tried to emphasize I see both risks, but also opportunities here. And by the very act of having to look down your supply chain, we saw in the conflict minerals that it provided uh, greater information to companies to allow them to make supply chains decisions. Certainly, after the pandemic, supply chains became much more on the forefront of companies' minds in terms of resiliency of their supply chain, once again, giving them more information. Is there the opportunity here, because you may have to look down the chain for admissions and other environmental factors, that you can actually get a business positive or evidence that you can implement in your corporate strategies going forward? In other words, does the greater information that you may have to obtain, could it really be helpful in other areas? And however you guys want to answer that one. Yeah, I'd love to take a stab at this one. One of my favorite phrases is you can't manage what you don't measure. So this idea of, of diving into these details, and that's why ESG as a topic and how it's kind of gained such relevancy and traction in the market, it's providing that kind of common language and identifying these common topics to focus on in terms of getting that information. So that's what you know we're trying to do here at Ascent is help everybody dial into their supply chain raise level of awareness on these different topics and use that information, not only to mitigate risk, you know, obviously we have a strong compliance basis for what we do, but it it is also that opportunity. So I absolutely think that that's the case. Well, gentlemen, and unfortunately we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will join us for our next episode where we take up understanding risks to your responsible mineral program. Before we leave, Devin, if I can continue with you, if our listeners wanted any more information on any of the topics we've touched on in this podcast, where can they go? Yeah, you can reach out to us, start a conversation with us, either by going to our website, ascent.com, or finding me and Jared on LinkedIn. And I know both of these gents, and they love to talk about this stuff. So if you want a conversation, I would suggest you connect with them. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you. Thank you.